When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a special re-release edition of Bald Move Prestige. This is for Saving Private Ryan. Uh, This movie is originally released July 24th, 1998, making this 25 years um, of one of, uh, yeah, I think it's consensus top three war film uh, anyway. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. This was commissioned back by Hatorian, um, who won our fantasy football league. We used to we used to award a commission podcast to the winners of the our fantasy football league. Uh, we don't do that anymore, but uh, Hatorian was, I think, our league commissioner, and uh, one of this year pick saving Private Ryan. Um, this was recorded all the way back in January or February of 2016, oh, a wow. long time ago, Jim. Yeah. Uh, feels like a lifetime ago mm-hmm. so uh like i said big 25 year anniversary for steven spielberg's magnum opus on on war starring tom hanks um a bunch of our favorite people actually tom sizemore matt damon vin <laughs> diesel barry peppers um i hope you guys enjoy it it's been a long time and it's probably the first time a lot of people are, are hearing it uh, but yeah 25th anniversary old old release Time to time to blow off the, the the dust and and celebrate its birthday. Happy twenty fifth to Saving Private Ryan. Hope you enjoy our podcast on the harrowing Saving Private Ryan. Welcome to another Bald Movies Commission podcast. Bald Movies. I'm, I'm having a stroke over here. If I can regain the the function of the left side of my body, we can resume. <laughs> uh, we have uh, this is a, a an interesting road to how this uh, got commissioned. Uh, Justin K, uh, better known perhaps as Hatorian uh, on, or maybe it's Hatorian, Hatorian, Hatorian. Sure. Uh, on the forums at forums.baldmove.com. He organized a fantasy football league for Bald Move and approached us. I want to know if we could set the stakes uh, something interesting. And uh, it was uh, decided that we would offer up a commission podcast as the stakes. And then in what is assuredly some kind of dirty play, some kind of uh, some bullshit hocus pocus, he actually won the league that he commissioned and ran. Oh, that sounds like <laughs> bullshit. I, I I think it's on. I think it's on the up and up. Um, sometimes it happens, man. Can we get? Can we get the the? Can we get the transcripts? Yeah. Can, can we get we... the tape where the balls deflated? <laughs> that's that's what you got to you got to you got to know. Balls were deflated. If there is any any improperly hand, handle of handling of balls going on here. Sure. Uh, but he won, and we we had, it artificially advanced it up to schedule because I wanted it to have some connection with football, and, and Super Bowl was just tried to get it out last week. It didn't work. Super Bowl was played last week. I guess I could we we should have just waited until the draft. Uh, 
or spring training or wait not spring training summer camp whatever super bowl 100 yeah <laughs> just keep hold on for 50 more years yep. uh but he wanted to uh, us to talk about uh saving private ryan okay i like the, that movie the much storied uh, uh spielberg hanks the, their first love I, I love letter it's not really a love letter love letter to world war ii maybe to the the heroes of world war ii the, okay that, that yeah. generation right. i know that that kind of launched the whole greatest generation thing that brokaw then that, uh, jumped on to mm-hmm. uh it's it's a great film and it it's still emotionally devastating to watch uh and yeah. unlike a lot of films it's not like building up to a single emotionally devastating scene it just is jam-packed full of them it starts off with one. It's it's well, it's, not quite, but no, it it, it 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 doesn't mess around in getting into it. Yeah, and it's got stuff that's just harrowing to to witness. It's got things that are really funny, and it's got things that are you know heroic and mm-hmm. dramatic and and everything. And the only thing it doesn't really have is a credible love story. Hmm. Okay. I mean, yeah, you're there, right. There are some by proxy, like you some know, letters we find out about and... Captain Miller and. And his uh, his wife back home, uh-huh. and there's other you know about the uh, the milf in with the the negligee. Is that when they're listening to the records? Yeah, and he's talking about yeah, the, yeah. the uh, one one uh, mature woman who gave her a memorable send off. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's about the only kind of spectrum of human emotion that's not in. And then you could also say there's plenty of Philadelphia type. Uh, uh, love. That's I haven't, I'm sorry. Haven't that's Philadelphia. Philia, not Philadelphia. That's the, the the city's named after the concept of brotherly love. That's the other Tom Hanks movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, which is about a struggle of its own sort. Sure. Uh, but this is Saving Private Ryan. Uh, I'll let uh, Justin set the stage for us. He says, How did this movie lose to Shakespeare in Love for Best Picture? This is one of the greatest upsets in Oscar history, right? This movie is one of the reasons I fell in love with history and World War II in particular. It is brutal, emotionally emotional, intense, extremely well-made, and just plain awesome. The war itself is the single most important event in the history of the world and still impacts us to this day. I'd also just like to shout out some of my close veterans, Papa, Don, and Paul, and all the others who served. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, who doesn't know somebody who was in that war? Or or is a descendant of someone who was in that war, right? Like I mean, it wrapped up pretty much everybody yeah. was involved in some way. Yeah, uh, through most of the world. I mean, they honestly. don't call the world war for nothing. Yeah, and the the problem here is I'm I'm a little worried because he says now that he's he's got a love affair with history and World War Two in sp- in particular. Dan Carlin has not done his World War Two oh, series. Shit. So how am I to know anything about anything? It's going to be a short review. Uh. I don't know, because I feel like World War II is something that you can almost, you, you can absorb a lot of the concepts yeah. and, and the basic facts just through pop culture osmosis. Absolutely. Like, if you were a gamer mm-hmm. that grew up anytime po- uh, during or post-90s, like, you got World War II rammed down your fucking throat, uh, and you played, yeah. like, probably because of this movie. I mean, you know... Hmm. The beaches of Normandy became kind of as ubiquitous as like the ice fields of Hoth. Yeah, like if you're having a, a, a combat game, you're going to storm. Uh, you're going to storm the beaches, and you know, just like if you're playing a Star Wars game, you're eventually going to wrap a tow cable around an Adat Walker and bring it to its knees. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I think it's probably 
I mean, there's so many movies featuring the horrors of war, but this in the scope and the, what did you call it? We're, we talked about we, we were just talking this really kind of pre-gaming this podcast, and you said, uh, you know, the the first scene was was horrific in a like a cosmic sort of yeah. Sense. It's like just the sheer number of lives and the the just how how much is going on there and how inescapable it all feels and just how pitiless and heinous it yeah. was and uh, and impersonal mm-hmm. like it's weird it's really weird when you got the pov of the germans in the bunkers and they're just mowing people down and then you get the pov from the the guys who are actually trying to get out of their their boats and they're just getting you know i mean i i Oh, I remember the first time I watched this movie, I couldn't sleep that night just thinking about, like, what would it be like yeah. to be in this shitty, stormy sea? You're, you're, I tend to get seasick, so I know I'd be one of the guys vomiting my my helmet and bailing it out. Uh-huh. And then, so you get there, and you're feeling that way, and then the door to hell opens up. Mm-hmm. And the first six rows of dudes just get cut down. What the fuck? I had the exact same feeling watching this for the first time. It was... It's really terrifying. Just this visceral kind of uh, disgust and, and fear, and like just even just watching it. And they did it. They took yeah. the beach. Yeah. That's... And also, the uh, like, you know, for what little history I know, the fact that, I mean, this went off kind of better than expected because they successfully used a ruse to lure the the bulk of the Nazi strength huh. to a different location because they, they faked them out about where they're going to land Wow! Uh, with their signals intelligence and whatnot. So it's like, imagine if they were ready for them. Christ. Yeah, probably would have gone the other way. I mean, I, I feel inadequate to talk about what the this the first 20 minutes of this movie the impact of it except for you know there's a couple points i i want to talk about before i get to that though this movie i don't think you're prepared for it or even looking for it but it's kind of got a twist i feel like the movie is begging you to think that the old man in the graveyard is captain miller ah okay why do you say that just in a way like there's a mechanism of dissolving into his eyes that is only used with tom hanks throughout most of the movie like you're Hmm. you're always zooming in on his eyes and and whatnot Uh and i feel like that they're they're really wanting you to think that that's captain miller who's in the graveyard yeah and then you get to by the way obviously spoilers if you haven't seen saving private ryan you should go see it it's one of the best movies in the last last 20 30 years Uh um but just be prepared it packs a wallop um i feel like they want you to think it's captain miller and then the twist at the end is of course it's it's private ryan Mm -hmm. and you know after you've been through this emotional journey and you see like literally i think everyone that's not private ryan dies i think so maybe the one I, I, a, tra- a pretty boy private yes. who's the mouthy one from new york from brooklyn does he yeah. live or does i he think die? he lives okay i wasn't sure because he comes up to tom hanks as tom hanks is dying and his hand goes limp uh and he seems fine okay. and the airplanes are flying over the germans yeah, are like retreating they, they, it's all they've won the day with. okay but who's to say he even lives through the war sure right? like because you're right you're, i think you're... they said that those the people who went on this mission were going home as well but I'm not certain about that. They 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 mention a couple times like the sooner we can get through this mission, the sooner we can go home. But yeah. I think it also might be might have been in the context of just winning the war. Yeah. So like I agree. Maybe they have to make it through more war, and maybe he doesn't survive. Yeah, because like uh, Miller and the sergeant mm-hmm. 
whose name I don't recall. His name's Mike. Um, yeah. You can tell they've been through. I mean, they they've fought in Italy. They fought in Africa. Now they're landing in France because he's got the little baby food jars or uh, K ration With cans that he's, him, yeah. he's putting dirt in from various places where he's fought. And he even mentions that Captain Miller's been in the war before the sergeant has. Mm-hmm. So they fought all over the place. Who knows when the war is actually over for them? I didn't. It, it, you kind of get a hint that maybe that was a carrot dangled in front of them. If you do this crazy suicidal mission, you can get go home. But I didn't see much evidence into that. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. They had more war to fight. Uh, why do you think they did? Do you agree with me that that was an intentional twist? And why do you think they did it? I do think that was intentional. I mean, if it was accidental, it was a pretty big thing to overlook because you're right. You immediately get that impression. I have no idea like what the emotional impact of that particular part of it was supposed to be. Do you think it's just to make it a gut punch when Tom Hanks dies? Like arguably the biggest heroic character. You have this idea that he's going to live through the whole thing because I've seen him live an old life. Right. Uh, Maybe so. Maybe they wanted to trick you into a false sense of security with him Hmm. and then kill him. Uh, I want to talk about specifically medics. Uh, okay. And just how insane it was to be a medic on this beach where you're trying to – I mean, I mean, it's crazy. You're trying to save these lives as this other team is trying to kill them. Mm-hmm. And also, like, you're not supposed to be shot. I know. There's some weird gentleman's agreement sort of thing. That's what the rules – it's the the rules of war. Well, that's all a rules of war are <laughs> is a, je- a yeah. handshake and a – sure, I won't do that. Right. Uh, but – you know, I mean, I think that you could make an argument that, like, you even not trying to shoot the medics, that the medics are just because yeah. they're out in the battlefield and shit's whizzing around and shrapnel's flying and they're mm-hmm. not armed. They're trying to do they're trying to do surgery to these guys, and it's like I thought that was there's a couple of really nice moments where you just kind of the 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 heroism of these guys, where like you know even Wade, who is you know this really impressive doctor. Uh, just the sheer scale of the carnage on the beach, like he's kind of almost shell shocked, and yeah. you know his superior is trying to triage these guys, and you're just kind of like going through, and like, does this guy smell funny? He's dead. Move on. You know, give him some morphine. Move on. That's all you can do. You're just trying to save yeah. the ones you can save. Yeah, and, and you have to make that split second call because every second you waste trying to save someone who's not going to be sure. saved, sure, someone who could have been. But they're like stacking bodies of dead people up as like you know, sandbags mm-hmm. to give him some cover from the fire or more light. It felt like that it's still fair game to shoot the guy you're working on. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember Wade getting so pissed off that they're trying to save this guy and then he gets a bullet in the head and, uh-huh. you know, uh, a lot of people getting bullets to the heads, yeah. uh, in d- dubious circumstances. Like one guy gets hit in the helmet and it glances off and he stands up and he takes his helmet off and then boom, he shot through the head. Yeah, making it real. Through all that. Seems like a bad idea to take your helmet off. Although I, I understand the desire to see, <laughs> holy shit, this thing just bounced off me. I want to see what it did to my helmet. Yeah. No, but no, I get it. Yeah. Oof. Like that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, he's kind of an idiot. You but... got to suppress that feeling, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you called the medics heroes, and I certainly you're right about that. But I think it extends, and, and I, I think you agree with this too. It extends to everyone who did those things on the on the beach throughout the war. I mean, if if I look at World War II as never has there been a more just war 
Like, there's a maniac trying to kill, uh, trying to commit genocide. Yeah. We need to, to stop to this guy. Multiple creeds and cultures. Yeah. We have to stop this because this is truly morally evil. Yeah. Uh, so everybody who participates in that, in my opinion, is a hero. And especially those people who are, you know, out on the battlefield risking their lives. It's, it's really hard to find someone that says World War II was a fucking waste of, of resources. Yeah. And yeah. that, like you know, you do find some avant-garde critics on the internet saying, "Well, the Allies were just as bad as the, and, you know, well, we fire and like in the, uh, the we atomic, didn't throw the first punch, man, <laughs> and the and the atomic bombs and the morality of that you can debate on the margins, but like right. it, it's really hard to find someone that's just going to argue with a straight face that yeah, they should have just let the Germans be, yeah, and you know, not involve themselves in it. We'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause. And now, back with more Bald Move. Sure. That seems like an insane POV to But me. especially from an American point of view, um, I don't think that America was directly threatened by certainly Germany, and probably never would have been, because we've, you know, we've got the good fortune of being surrounded by two giant oceans and, yeah. and have you know, friendly borders on all of our sides. America could have probably stayed out of the war and, and not suffered much at all. So sure. the fact that, you know, but I think then you it, wonder for how long, right? Like the Germans roll into, I don't know, Britain and take that over. And like, well, that's how, how, how long until this becomes a concern? Because yeah, Germany just, the Nazi regime sure. is just spread all over Europe and now they're the superpower and we're kind of screwed too. And there is this pretty special bond between, you know, England and the United States. Like, right. You know, we speak the same language. We broadly have the same kind of cultures. I mean, hell, we spawn from that culture. I think uh-huh. it would be something that, you know, if you want to overlook the genocide, if you want to overlook the naked aggression into Poland and France, if you want to, you know, all the other expansionist stuff, uh, just the kind of blood ties there. Like, I, it's, I'm trying to think of, like, in a situation where America would be like, okay, fuck, fuck the UK. Right. We're just going to let this happen. It would have to be extreme. Yeah, it would be. I mean, that's 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 really a way to get. It seems like uh, you know, uh, you just don't you just you can't let your allies fall like that. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, you know, yeah, everyone kind of is is you know. Then they, they do show like that that I think they do a pretty good job of showing that not everything was cool. Like you know, Americans ne- didn't necessarily always take prisoners the way you su- you're supposed to. Right. But then they also showed the flip side of that of when you do try to take moral stands that it can bite you in the ass. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, literally. Also, before we move off of the beach, yeah, um, I got a couple of more things on that. I want to talk about religion and war. Okay. Because you know we talked about the medics, but then there there's also this like really throwaway aside where you see this chaplain delivering last rites to men on the beach. Yeah. And he's got a little tiny white cross that could maybe look like captain's bars on his helmet. Doesn't have the giant white and and red cross that says don't shoot me. Mm-hmm. Like that you're a fucking true believer if you're storming sure. through that to give men comfort in their last minutes of life. Right. I that I can certainly brand, respect your conviction. That is another brand of heroism that uh-huh. and, and conviction in one's belief that I thought was like another one of those just like shake your head moments. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I I may not believe in your justification for it, but certainly your conviction. Sure. Wow. Uh I, I have to say I, I still think to this day maybe 
Yeah, certainly. To this day, this is the most intense battle sequence I've ever seen. I can't uh, like we just watched Full Metal that Jacket. A real that event? was nothing compared but, to. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some crazy well, fictionalized I mean, alien kind of shit. space battles. And, yeah, yeah, whatever. That that's not what I'm considering as a a battle. Like, yeah, yeah. in the same context, you know. Yeah, but no, for... I, I just the sheer magnitude of everything here is incredible. I mean, the scene that always sticks out in my mind is the guy who's got the one arm, and he's just like, you can tell, he's like, I don't know what the fuck. Then he bends over and picks up his arm. Yeah. And then sh- continues moving up the beach, because what else are you going to do? At, at that moment, he, he's lost it. I mean, yeah. he just, he doesn't even hardly know where he is. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, I I want to say in Band of Brothers, there was a scene that was really impressive with, like, uh, a lot of, bombs going off kind of in the woods and you get like a lot of light from that and a Mm. lot of like smoke and stuff but even that wasn't nearly as impressive as this yeah no and there's like you know band of brothers is easily a companion piece to this um yeah so and i think there's another one coming out uh like a band of brothers sequel or that that um the tom hanks and steven spielberg are doing Oh. And I forget what, because, you know, this was uh, the guy storming the beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Band of Brothers is about the airborne infantry. You had the war in the Pacific that was about the war in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wonder what uh, what's what's the new angle I feel like on there's got to be something about, like, Verdun or something. It might have been. That would be epic. Because the only scenario I can imagine yeah. that's more horrific than this is that artillery, those artillery shells sure. just raining down on you for hours at a time. Yeah. Uh, it might be a tank crew. That would be an interesting story, too. Huh. I know they just they actually did that a big cool. movie with uh, John Berenthal and a, a bunch of other famous types. Uh, Brad Pitt was in it. They talked about is is about tank fighting in World War II. It was a big, Weird. big, big movie that came out last year. I haven't seen it hmm. yet. But I think that's maybe an underserved part of the war we could talk about. Okay. There are a lot of war movies. <laughs> there are. There are. A lot of them. Um, but, uh, you know, I was at an impressionable age, certainly, when I saw this for the first time. Sure. Uh, hadn't seen many war movies. And this was a pretty intense one to start with, so it's hard to beat. Yeah, just realistic carnage and the sound and just the way they mm-hmm. treat, like, the fact that, you know, you can... You can lose your hearing and be so disoriented, and you know even guys like uh, you know Captain Miller, who is a badass, mm-hmm. like he's just really square, square to one. He's not fearless, but he's uh, he puts his fear aside and he can just accurately like they they they're really efficiently showing like you know with his command of military jargon, his tactics and strategy that he's yeah. even impressive to his field commanders. You can just tell that he's like a cut above. Yeah, that was interesting. And his men see him as this like mythical Iron Man. Like he can't be killed. He can't be stopped. He mm-hmm. uh, and and I think it's also fascinating to look at him from a leadership perspective. Right. I think he's a really strong leader. But he's not a perfect Hollywood hero either. No. Like he no. fucks up and starts going joking in when there's going through everybody's dog tags and you know Wade yeah. has to come and shame him to, to stop and. And, you know, he he maybe is a little lax in discipline, which kind of bites him in the ass. I mean, arguably, mm-hmm. two guys die because of his lack of unit discipline. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not a it's not a just blind love letter to this guy. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's got flaws and and uh, which which makes him easier to relate to. Certainly. Yeah. And the fact that he's a school teacher back home. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
there's one scene that I really like um, where you can kind of see them planning out their strategy and and he goes into his thing he just starts spouting off all this like you're gonna go this way we're gonna go this way we're gonna route around him yeah all this stuff and the entire time he's holding this compass and his hand is shaking and his men are looking at him like oh boy is that a crack showing but to me like it wasn't a crack showing Mm -hmm. uh because the guy never cracks and i i know that watching it the second time you know why so what was this but 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 to his men that's gonna be worrisome I wonder what you thought about his the whole motif of his hand shaking uncontrollably. Even though you, you, you describe him as fearless, I don't know that he's fearless. Well, I guess I, your your definition of it is better. He puts his fear aside. Do you think he that that's, feel that's it, supposed but... to visualize the fact that he is very much afraid and this is the civilian school teacher who's always on the verge of shitting his pants? But he is putting that aside because he knows this has to be done and the way to get yeah. back to his home is forward. It's not behind him yeah and that might actually i don't know because when he dies they make a conspicuous shot of his hand stop uh, that stops shaking well uh for yeah. obvious reasons and i'm wondering like if if that's just fear is it is it symbolic of the fear that everyone felt going into that war that all of those people who were school teachers and bus drivers and janitors and stuff felt when they went into this and if so, what does it mean when his hands stop shaking? What does it say about the rest of those people? That only only in death is your fear eliminated, but you need to continue to press on? I mean, that that could be a motivational message. Yeah. I could see it there. And he does accomplish his mission. Uh, actually accomplishes a couple of missions, one tangential mission. Uh-huh. Uh, so, I mean, that could certainly be inspirational. I'm just, I'm looking for that silver lining in his death and and that potential representative representation of fear in his hand. Yeah, I don't know because like we were doing the math on this and I think we figured out that the the oldest veteran if you enlisted at the latest of stage in the war or was drafted in like 45 mm-hmm. at 18 and you didn't let's say some guys cheated. But like 18, that's you're 89 years old. Yeah. If you cheated, you're maybe 92, 91. If you got in when you're 16 or god forbid even 50. I don't even know if that was possible. Like the cheat that much? I know in a sure. civil war, you're, seventeen. I know you can seventeen. I think you could probably by. fudge, yeah. or like if the recruiter was. I, I I don't know how that works, but you're 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 really old. And but yeah, I was wondering if you were one of the veterans that survived Normandy. How like do nightmares ever stop? I can't imagine. I mean that that seems like something that stays with like, you. Even your if whole you're not life. traumatized in the classic, you know, sense of like PTSD, like yeah. I just can't imagine that the visuals you ever and the smells and the sounds and like mm-hmm. is really striking when they got to the top of the cliffs and they've kind of secured their area and the sergeant said, "Hell of a view, isn't it?" or something like that. And you yeah, look yeah. out and you just see these bodies bobbing in the surf and this all this carnage and stuff. Like, how do you ever unsee that shit? Right. Right, and how do you feel about it? Because I, so maybe th- th- it's a it's a complex mix of emotions too. Because you've just done something that you should be proud of. You should be, and, and that is also horrific. And you lost a lot along the way, both yes. the people the people alongside you and pieces of yourself. Like shit, how do you feel about something like that? Because. There is a certain duality. We just watched Full Metal Jacket not long ago. There is a duality mm-hmm. in war, right? It's both beautiful and it's horrific. Right. Uh, and I, that's, that's one of the most complex things 
I think you could feel. But that's my point. Like, Captain Miller goes home to his wife. Does his hand ever stop shaking? Yeah. yeah because, you know, and, and, you know, what's it like to go for, like, if you do survive and you go back and you're a teacher, like, how do you go back to the chalkboard mm-hmm. after you've done that? And there's other movies that explore more from a different side, like sometimes, like, like uh, Hurt Locker, famously. Um, you know, some people react to that, and it's like, once you've been in war, real life is boring. Yeah. And you become like this war junkie. And I'm sure that's that's a valid psychological response as much as uh, mm-hmm. shit in your pants and getting mowed down in a boat, as much as your handshaking, as much as, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think some guys would probably, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people just refuse to talk about the war. Sure, yeah. Like, yeah, dad is in a war, but I don't have any good stories because he doesn't say shit about it. Yeah. And I, I feel like something like that could also leave you numb where just... Like you said, it's nothing. Yeah, how do you get excited? Like you get fired. Does that even raise your pulse? Yeah. Like I had Nazis shooting twenty millimeter guns at me. Same with like being an astronaut, right? Yeah. (laughs) Like a roller coaster is not going to do much for you. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, Uh, but it's also it it indicates um, it's it's interesting to me that somewhere along the line, and I don't even know if he is aware of when it happened, Mm -hmm. but. Miller's hand started shaking. Mm-hmm. So, they don't really pinpoint it. They don't tell the story. It, it, it happened sometime, and he, he mentioned something that Mike, you know, the sergeant understood. Yeah, but he kind of just glosses over it, yeah. and it's like almost like it's not even registering on his radar. Like this is an important thing about me, right? Like this is a change to my to who I am. But there's something it's wrong more with like my this biological is just mechanism. a thing that happened to me during the war, and it's yeah. another one of the many horrific things that has gone wrong. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that's impressive about this movie is the sheer number of guest stars and cameos. Yeah. Like, uh, I was shocked to realize Brian Cranston plays a one-armed that's major right. or something that's involved. Uh, you know, you got Jeremy Davies playing, uh, uh, is it Corporal mm-hmm. Upham? Upchuck, I think they end up calling him. Upchuck? Okay. Uh, I don't know anybody's name in this. So. Okay. You got uh, Paul Giamatti. Mm-hmm. You got right. uh, Ben Diesel, Ted Danson. You got Ted Danson, Giovanni Ribisi. Yep, of course. Nathan Fillion, right? Right, comes out of nowhere to play the asshole, to play the Private Ryan, the, the Minnesota Ryan or Nebraska uh-huh. Ryan, the fake Ryan, James like, Francis I was Ryan. Floored because we just got done watching all that Firefly, and this baby faced dumb fuck Nathan Fillion <laughs> stumbles up and starts crying about his brothers, and yeah, I mean. It's not uh, James Francis. It's James F. Ryan. It's it's some other F yeah, yeah, yeah. that Nathan Fillion is. James Fillion Ryan. Yeah. I know there's others that I wrote down as I – because I was just – you know, you, I just couldn't believe how many famous people. And I guess, you know, you hear uh, Steven Spielberg is making a World War II movie starring Tom Hanks and mm-hmm. your agent calls. It's like, okay, where do I go? Yeah, I'm 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 signed up. I'm I'm done. I don't need to hear anymore. And there are a lot of parts for people who aren't super well known, sure. right? Sure, or even like, for well known, like your Ted Danson. Is that slumming it? Hell no, no, no. Plus Ted Danson. Also, I forgot that he was in this movie. I also forgot kind of. I mean, Ted Danson 
you get a lot of this in Fargo too, but he shows up with his square jaw and his 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 hair and his nose and his eyes, and he just looks like almost a John <laughs> Wayne type of figure. Sure, he can play yeah. that commanding physical presence. Uh-huh. Even at you know he's also he can also do Sam Malone and Cheers. That's kind of remarkable. And Brian Cranston too. Yeah, uh, just uh, incredible how many uh, cameos are in this. What did you think? Is one thing I noticed, and I read a lot of reviews. That I read a bunch of reviews. I just fell down a goddamn rotten tomato hole of reading huh. contemporary reviews of this movie. But a lot of people mentioned how cornball, or they they uh, even Ebert was one of them, um, who mentioned the disconnect between the desk general who's back in America sending these guys on a suicide mission and mm-hmm. the guys on the ground. I did not walk away from this movie thinking that that was. A bonehead bullshit decision. Okay, I was going to ask you how you feel it about operates, the mission. It operates on a different level of logic, but to me, like I bought the importance of the mission. I did too, and I, I feel like it's valid if, if you want to keep morale up. Like there are other ways to keep morale up with your troops. If you want to keep morale up with your country, which was a serious issue, sure. at this time. Uh, you need to do things like this. You can't have the reports coming out about a mother who lost all four of her sons in the war. Well, and that's 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 kind of, you know, you go talking about the heroism of World War II, like that's part of it. That yeah. and I I like I get it. Like from Tom Hanks or from Captain Miller and everyone down down's perspective, this is a stupid thing and I yes. understand why they're angry about it. But I wasn't sure why the viewer would be reflexively angry about it. I don't think it. you're supposed to be and I I don't agree with those see, critics. I mean, that might I sometimes, you know, I, I hate to, I've been doing this a lot, but you know, you throw around like the liberal types that are just so disconnected from military culture and like the ideals of valor hmm. and that kind of stuff that they're just reflexively whereas I hmm. I don't okay. know. I mean, spare like a mother whose every one of her sons gets killed in battle. Mm-hmm. And and they they said, oh, this guy, he's he's like a schoolboy reciting Abraham Lincoln. Fuck no, no that that letter to Abraham Lincoln yeah. wrote. Like you look up to that's an elder statesman who still is completely inadequate in the expression that he has for this mother who I think she lost four sons in in the Civil War, something like that. Like yeah. that's also worth dying for in the abstract sense. Yeah, I. I think it shows a level of compassion that the military is often not given credit for. Sure. Um, and uh, like I said, I think especially during that period, it was a valid mission to go on. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> I don't know. I did not have any problem with the mission. No. But I, like you, I do understand why the people who have to go carry it out might. Because, I mean, they do end up losing... Everyone. Everyone well, dies. Everyone except for the, the so loudmouth private. They don't... Here's the thing. They don't die in service of finding Private Ryan. Two people die in service of that. That's true. They all die in service of their side mission, which turns into, you know, guarding the bridge. Oh, yeah. Upham doesn't die, too. So I guess there's two survivors. Oh, he doesn't die? No. He carries his ammunition all the way uh, back to the base, uh, His last scene is he shoots the prisoner of war. That's right. Yeah, he hides in that hole, and they go past him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, which that's man, I, I could talk for an hour about how I feel about his character as well. Because right. I remember the first time I saw that movie, I'm like, "Fuck that guy, fuck that guy," and I'm still kind <laughs> of like, "Fuck that guy," but more from a sense of understanding. Sure, like that's who you hope if if you know, God forbid, you're drafted in a war that's a just cause and everybody's storming off and, and beating the Nazis. 
you hope you're not that guy. Mm-hmm. But who can say with a straight face that they're absolutely convinced they wouldn't be that guy? Only someone who's been there and done it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Everybody really? should just shut the fuck up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, because I it's it's so painful to watch him let that you know, Nazi up there and stab his guy who he's finally, you know, right. He just attains acceptance in the group Mm -hmm. and for this Mellish guy in particular. And then he could have easily saved that man's life easily. Yeah. And he just chooses not to because he's too fucking afraid. Yeah. Uh, no, it's sad. But it's... he's also kind of been heroic up to that point. Like, he really braves the bullets. Like, maybe he just spent all of his courage. Because that's the other thing. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, uh, like uh, Captain Miller, you think, you know, there's this guy. What if he had lived through this? Like, would he have reached a point where his his body and his brains is like, nope, just goes blue screen and he has a moment like that? Yeah. Maybe I felt like watch subsequent watches um, again. I'm more I'm still kind of fuck that guy because he gets, <laughs> you know, one of his friends killed. Sure, but sure. Much less judgy, much less judgy than when I was in my mid 20s watching this movie. OK, yeah, it, it's easy to kind of get up, get caught up in the heroism of it all and say everyone should do the most noble things at all moments without thinking about the human side of it. Uh huh. Um. So understandable yeah for sure there's also a lot of funny things in this movie um Mm -hmm. and kind of cool things like i really like the work paul giamatti does where he's this kind of in his own way captain miller you know he's kind of he has no business in his war and he's walking through this rubble and he's like jesus under fire he's like jesus christ i got the ankles of an old woman (laughs) and and the whole background there's this german guy who's i guess he calls the morale officer and he's saying just a whole list of things that are kaput. And somebody translates a Statue of Liberty as kaput. But it's it's kind of funny that this guy, he's kind of like the Baghdad Bob, who's like, no, you know, do you remember that? And Baghdad Bob, no. And the, the last Desert Storm or Desert Storm 2, the last Middle Eastern War when we're invading Baghdad, mm-hmm. uh, there was this, uh, I guess, television relations officer who was giving daily press releases to say that the allied, you know, the allied tanks are nowhere near Baghdad as CNN is showing rolling foot, pictures of Abrams rolling down the mains. They're pulling down his statue. Right. Like he's <laughs> essentially trying to tell, I don't know what he's all, all telling to civilians, but it's I propaganda. It's, it's propaganda. Yeah. I mean, propaganda is almost never true. <laughs> right. I thought, or, it, or it plays on a kernel of truth. Yeah. And like, I think that's the one thing that Germany learned from world war one is that, uh, you know, propaganda is powerful and we want to, yes. we want to really use it to the utmost and kind of like, sure. But it was funny too. We'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause. And now, back with more Bald Move. Um, and there's that, you know, what's this guy's name? Barry, is it Barry Pepper? Who's the guy who? that plays this, the marksman? Oh, I don't know his name. Uh, but I know who you're talking about. <laughs> that is the coolest character in the film. Yeah, but at the same time, I've seen, like, Enemy at the Gates, which I thought had a cool was a cooler sniper movie. Did that uh, come out before or after Saving Private Ryan? I, I don't know. Because you're but, right. Yeah, but I like so his sniper Jude Law, yeah, yeah. I think it was versus yeah. Ed Harris Ed playing Harris and a Jude weird Law, Nazi yeah. aristocrat, right? Uh, <laughs> it was strange, but uh-huh. but the sniping in it was real good. Sure, sure. Uh, so I, I don't know this guy, his sniping like, so he points out at the beginning of the movie like. 
there's a tower. If I was a sniper, that's where I'd be. Mm-hmm. And he shoots the guy through the eye. And then at the end, he goes and he does the same thing. He gets in the fucking tower. And I get it. That's where you can see best from. But if that's where a sniper would be, mm-hmm. you're going to give away your position by firing your first shot. But you also saw what an overwhelming advantage it was having the eyes it, in the it was sky. Huge, like yeah. that's like it's so impressive to see. And not only that he's up there giving the, Tom Hanks accurate information, but then Captain Miller, Tom Hanks, is able to instantly use that battlefield awareness. Mm-hmm. That's also why you know an American military is such a pitiless death machine when we go into borderline first world. It's like we've got GPS, drones we've and, got drones, we've yeah. got satellites, like. It's it's you it's like hide. fighting, you know, like playing World of Warcraft with somebody that they got fog of war turned on and you see everything. Yeah, it's just a it's just shooting fish in a barrel, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I think that's kind of the her- heroism in it is like you're supposed to understand that he knows he's putting a giant target on his back. It's a moment. It's only a matter of time before they find out what's going on and destroy him. But. Yeah, you know he's also making it possible that they're holding out against vastly superior strength. That's true. So that's true. I thought I yeah, it's kind of dumb, but it's no, that's heroic. The, the, yeah. the, the like, dumbness that's also storming the beach of Normandy. Sure, sure. Uh, now, if you want us to talk stupidity, oh boy, we can go. We can go to Vin Diesel because his Caparzo <laughs> still. I'm like fuck that guy because like what in that? Not only is he disobeying direct orders, uh-huh. uh. What the hell is he thinking? I mean, I get what he's thinking. He says it's the what least we can do to get this girl back to the safe zone. Mm-hmm. And then Dumb. as five minutes later, as Captain Miller says, that's why we don't rescue little girls, because he was bleeding dead in the street. Their mission is not to go back to the safe zone. Their mission is to go find Private Ryan. No. You, and you're I like, mean, I, I get it. These, I mean, and that's the other thing. Like, my God, imagine... You living in a city not unlike the one we're in, wow, and yeah. there's tanks rolling through on both sides, and and your house half of the, it just went away. Yeah, how are you? Where are you getting food? It's wild. There's I no can't electricity. Imagine. Like, and you've got like these little kids. Like, I thought that was a powerful moment when they finally get the girl back to her dad, and she's just so scared and angry that he put her through this, and mm-hmm. the little brothers crying. Like, you feel that's fucked, man. That is. As an American, yeah. I can't relate. Absolutely. We just don't have that experience. I can't relate to like what it's like to be French and Englishmen that live through their cities being shelled and live through their cities being a, a literal war zone. Yeah, and it, it goes further than that, too. It's like how far away do you get from it generationally before you lose that that feeling of what that is uh and you start making the same mistakes again right you start doing the same things that led to it in the first place well i mean that's that's what or or you start perpetuating those things on other people without realizing what it's going to do to them yeah i mean it's it's interesting that i mean it's instructive that they called world war one the world in the war that ends all wars (laughs) until Uh, world war (laughs) until the sequel came like that's shocking to think about you know, just just another generation comes down, and they're like, "Yeah, let's do this again." And I get yeah, it. That, so soon that's, after, that's, that's really simplifying it. And, and if you're the allies, what the hell do you do? Right. Uh, but yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty fucked. And uh, that's you know, again, it, this movie so efficiently shows so many sides to the war. I think so. Even the. Uh, do you want to talk about uh, the death of Wade, which is another stomach punch? Wade in, is. In the movie. He's the medic. The medic of Giovanni Ribisi. Gotcha. So this is. 
this is where uh, he gets th- shot up. Yeah, he gets shot. But I'm trying to think. This so this is Captain Miller's biggest boondoggle. Yeah, when he's trying to take this uh, this gun. Yeah, this. Uh, I, I guess there's. Is there more than just the gun? Or or is there? It's a machine. I, I feel like it was a it was a machine gun emplacement, but it was also yeah. like some mortars. Like okay, because there was mortars, definitely mortars going off. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe that's just what a gun emplacement looks like. You got a pillbox with a couple machine guns and a couple mortars, and they just lie and wait for people to come by and kill them. Because that's you know there's bodies from hell to breakfast all around, so you can yeah see there are more guys there than I expected. Yeah, 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 yeah. From the way they were talking, um, but yeah, they they get get him killed in the process. But why – I didn't ever fully understand why Miller did that other than uh, he had just gotten a man die, died and they just had this big speech, which is – this mm-hmm. is kind of like key to understanding this thing. Yeah. That like, you know, I've lost 94 men in my command. But I I rationalized that by saying everyone that's died, I've saved 10 men, 12 men, 20 men. And he's like – it's fucking with him that this mission's inverted. Mm-hmm. That every life he's 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 trying to, that every life he's spending in this command, it's to save one person, and there's no way to make that math work. Yes, yeah. there's, there's no way to make that voice in the back of his mind stop. So it's like this was the one thing where he's like, "Damn it, we can take these guys out, and no more. They won't be harvesting any more bodies." But it gets Wade killed. Yeah, that's a thing. I mean, if they were to leave it there, potentially, some, like they they happened upon it in a way that that they didn't see them coming. Yeah, and so they had an advantage there that the next crew that comes through might not, and they might might get slaughtered. Right. So I guess that was his rationalization: is we have the upper hand, let's press the advantage while we have it, uh, and potentially save people behind us. Yeah, but so, that you know, but that it, that it was works. also building on his desperation, like after. Um, you know, there's this, there's this, there's uh, when they find the first airborne units, and they had this nice little vignette of um, talking about the bomber pilot. Is that the one with Paul Giamatti? No, this is the one after that, and this this guy's a famous guy too, the character actor. Oh, the helicopter about, crash? No, it's it's actually a plane crash, and they'd welded these big steel plates to the bottom of this aircraft to protect the general, but it oh. also doomed the whole plane. Yeah, we're thinking of the same. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought it was a helicopter, but I guess not. No. Okay. Um, so he, and so that him and his men getting this thing where the guy gives him his bag of uh, a dog tag so they can kind of go mm-hmm. through, and they're playing this kind of five tag stud poker game. Uh, it's a way for them to blow off steam, but you know Wade, the medic, realizes that all these guys are looking at him and they're just laughing and joking about going through these dog tags and like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. That's like when Miller starts to crack. And he goes off on a desperation. He just starts running around shouting, uh, it's Ryan, it's Private Ryan here. You know Private Ryan? And it works. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think, like, there's something to all that that ties together with his breakdown that led to Wade dying. Hmm. And I don't even know how I feel about it. Because, yeah, Wade died, and that sucks. I liked Wade. Everybody liked Wade. Plus, he's their medic. Yeah. But was Hanks wrong? To to go take that gun out? Yeah. I mean, that wasn't his mission. I don't think so. So, like, from a chain of command, he's uh, jeopardizing his mission to do a non-critical objective. But morally and ethically... Yeah, I I think certainly from the, like, you have a mission, you should do that. He's probably wrong. Uh, But, yeah, ethically, I... 
I think it was a good thing to do, uh, regardless of Wade getting killed or not. What about letting go of Mickey Mouse and Betty Boop? What the, the, the ger- fuck? Are the you German that about? was trying to oh, you know, desperate. I mean, uh, that, I thought that was a, that's the one kind of humanizing thing we get from the German side. That you know, not all these guys were goose stepping Nazis. Maybe this guy was a goose stepping Nazi. Well, he just didn't want to die. That's what I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, I thought not everyone in the German army was uh, a goose stepping oh, Nazi. I mean, shit. Like Rommel was a he hated Hitler, huh, okay. but he still served his country the best way he he knew how. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to say that. I think that particular guy, though, mm. in that moment was trying to save his life with all this, I love America, that sort mm. of stuff. Betty Boop, what games? Yeah. Uh, where do you where do you score Captain Miller and letting him go? Was that the right thing to do? And what does the right thing to do even mean? No, no, I, I, don't, I don't think I agree with that. I think I'm more on Brooklyn's side. So you just shoot him? Yeah, probably. They yeah, can't. It's very they full can't. Metal jacket situation. They can't actually take him prisoner, right? Well, they could, but it would be how, a terrible how would that work? idea. I mean, they'd have just, to either go back and you take tie him you to, tie him up and you take him with you, or that, yeah, which we, seems dangerous. Yeah, because if you like get within get you in, killed. yeah, if you get within the enemy's earshot, he starts screaming Heil Hitler, yeah. and it's all over. <laughs> right. He did, at that point he doesn't scream I love Mickey Mouse. No, no he doesn't. <laughs> no he doesn't. He screams whatever the uh, Nazi version of Thunder and Lightning was. <laughs> yeah, Thunder and Flash. Yeah, Flash. Yeah, I forget what it was. Yeah, something was like it? that. Uh, I don't know. I think he probably made. I mean, certainly from you know the way it comes back on him, he made mm-hmm. the wrong call. But I think probably I would have said just kill him because he was trying to kill you just moments ago. Uh. I don't know. And you don't really have a good means of taking him prisoner. Huh. Yeah. I, that's a dubious call. I don't feel great about that decision. <laughs> sure. In the moment. But, sure. But that's probably the decision I would and make. And it's also one of those things where it's like you talk about post-home life. Is that something that that's harder to get yeah. over? Like, I shot a man in cold blood. You don't know that in the alternate future where you let him go, he comes back and right. is the man who shoots you and kills you. Yeah. No, it's a it's a tough decision to make, and I don't fault him for making the one he made. Yeah, um, but maybe I don't agree with it. Um, I thought it was also it's like that's the other thing about him being leader is like he really let shit get almost out of control before. Yeah, he said, like I, I that I thought felt they were going to shoot each other. That felt a little Hollywood. Mm-hmm. That's the one moment in the film that feels a little false to me. That they built up this thing about them wagering about where he's from and all that stuff, and he just kind of casually. Uh, for you know, first of all, it's like I felt like he lost control when he starts letting the uh, up him, you know, say this isn't right, this isn't like you know. At some point, you say shut the fuck up, mm-hmm. shut the fuck up. This I this is my command, corporal. Get fall in and shut, you know. But he let the situation just deteriorate, and deteriorate, and like it just seems to me he had no way to know that the sergeant was this you know like how far away he was from pulling the trigger and blowing this private away yeah or doing something else it certainly seemed serious and he i, I mean i don't i mean it's like, kind of played as a moment of this awesome leadership but i like as many times i've seen the movie i still like at the, the whole time i'm like wow this this is such a roll of the dice it is you can have is. the whole squad wiping each other out <laughs> right I, I do like the way he diffused it. I think he just waited way too long to to spring into action there. Although, I mean, you know, there's different ways of being shell-shocked. Maybe he's like, 
kind of locked up until he re, until yeah. he he, he kind of naturally comes in. I don't know. It's, it's, I feel like it does feel a little Hollywood. It's the one part of the script I thought was a bit weak. All right. I did notice, like, in these scenes where they're kind of walking around the countryside. Yeah. Uh, they have a good variety of weapons with them. Like, obviously, the sniper has a, mm. a really a marks. A, a scope on his rifle and all this yep. stuff. But it looked to me like maybe uh, Miller and Mike, or whatever his name is, had taken, like, German guns or something. No, those are Tommy like guns. Like, souvenirs. Usually seen I know that the big, happened. You, you, they're, they're, those are Tommy guns. You usually see them with the big circle drums and gangster films, but they were just Is using, that what those are? Yeah, those are to- Thompson okay. submachine guns. And some of them looked like they had standard issue weapons. Yeah. But it didn't look like they had standard issue stuff. Like, it was... It was almost like the souvenir because I've heard of that happening, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you grab, you the, kill a German, you take the sure, weapon off of him as sure. like a, yeah. a trophy, yeah, that sort of thing. Which eh, I understand. Sure, it's a surprising how much Nazi memorabilia is kicking around America. Yeah, like I, my my girlfriend works at an estate sale place, and I'll be goddamned. <laughs> I bet how many, and I get it, like. I think it's weird to collect Nazi memorabilia. I'm not going to judge because, like, I don't know what's in your thought process. Having said that, my grandfather comes back from Europe and he's got a a Nazi dagger. Hell yeah, I'm keeping that. That's fucking rad. Hell yeah, I'm keeping that. And it ain't getting into a state sale. It's going to my son and my son and and, and, and his son and all that. Until it rots into nothing. Sure. Until it decomposes. Sure. Like, that's a a weird kind of trend. That maybe says something weird about me that I I appreciate the value of a trophy like that. But goddamn, I do. Uh, Wade dying always guts me too because you know he's a doctor and he you know he knows like oh shit my you know once he finds out it's my liver but he's still trying to like triage himself Mm -hmm. but i don't know it gets me i I, i've often wondered since you know the deal with my mom has gone down like i'm dying on a battlefield who do i cry for you ever thought about that no i i know for a fact that i will never be on a battlefield (laughs) well you are. Yeah, you're too fucking old now. You're too right. Let's look exactly. At you. You're decrepit. Yeah, they're not going to want me. What? Mentally, I physically. Got... <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You, got, you probably got. God knows what kind of untold now damage I... to your liver. Now I have to prove my metal and get on a battlefield. <laughs> what metal? Just to say I told you what so. What metal? Hey That's man, floppy gristle and bone at best. <laughs> no, there's metal under there. <laughs> Pure solid steel. No, but I, I, I have no idea, man. Because that seems like everybody cries for ma. They go back to the un- it's like uh. What do you do if you're an orphan? That's another, I guess. Like, what, what, or, who I mean, do orphans cry I, for in a battlefield? I can't picture myself crying out for anyone. Like, I would just be like, oh, shit, I'm dead. Yeah. I'm dying. This is it. I don't know. Like, it's like, it depends. Dying's weird because sometimes it happens so fast. You just, you know, you don't really have time. And sometimes, yeah. like, it's just horrifically painful. And you know what's coming and you just want it to be over. I imagine. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> That's this movie. Every time I've died, it's been like that. <laughs> no, I, you know, that's what I'm saying. This movie fucks with me because it really invites you to. I mean, if you got any kind of empathy at all, it really invites you to put yourself in the boots of these men and say from, from all angles too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What it's like to be the victor. What it's like to be the vanquished. What it's like to die. What it's like to see people die. Um, yeah. Uh, I got some questions. Some meta questions for you. Some meta questions. Yeah. Okay. I see I see two tiers of actors in the show. I okay. see the Tom Hanks and the Matt Damons. All right. As one tier. I see the Giovanni Ribisis and the Vin Diesels in the you, other tier. Whoa. I reject the Giovanni Ribisi in this. <laughs> okay. Like I 
he's Let's done say some, this. He's, not, he's played some stupid roles, but he can. Ne- he will always, you know, he always gets a free pass from me because he fucking kills it in this movie. As far as like success of your career goes, okay, I feel like those two are equally matched. Tom Hanks sure. and Matt Damon are equally matched. Who do you think has had the better career out of those tiers? Like Tom Hanks has an interesting career because he went from comedy to drama, which I feel is not a super easy thing to do. Much like a a Jim Carrey or something. Um, or a Brian Cranston. Or Brian Cranston. Whereas Matt Damon has kind of always been drama. Like he, he can does, crack a joke. He has but... been, yeah, he's been funny in like Ocean's Eleven and uh, mm-hmm. the, what was the Kevin Even Smith the Martian, religion I mean, movie? Recently. He's, yeah, sure. He can be funny. He can certainly. be funny, but he's not a comedy. Like he's not bosom buddies. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, Joe versus the volcano kind of funny. But I also feel like he's one of the biggest actors of this generation. Well, the other thing about Same Tom, like Tom Hanks, the other thing about Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks has moved into this. Uh, you know, this is this is not an original thought. This is something that people have been saying for a decade now. He's moved into the Jimmy Stewart, elder statesman of Hollywood. I can pick my shots. Mm-hmm. I can do whatever the hell I want. I'm everyone yeah. loves me. No one hates me. I bankrolled these big passion projects about going to the moon in World War II. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, like he's he's ever uh, he's the man. Yeah, no, it's hard. He's kind of incomparable. Plus, he's just. I mean, I've I've heard so many interviews, and he's yep. got so many fascinating details. Like the the fact that he collects typewriters. Like yeah, Tom Hanks is and everything is, uh, I've is the man. Everything I've heard of him, he's just super nice. Yeah, so gracious. Like, yeah. to everybody. Like if you've had a bad experience with Tom Hanks, you're probably the <laughs> asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which I'm not sure about that with Matt Damon. I'm not sure. He can smile real nice on camera. I just don't know anything about his like sure. life outside of outside of that. But he's, I feel like success wise how good you know, how good of a person can he be? <laughs> I feel like success wise, they're like Matt Damon might have the career that Tom Hanks well, that's had the thing. eventually. Like you give him another twenty, thirty yeah. years, who knows? Not yeah. that Tom Hanks is that much older than him, but now Rabisi and Vin Diesel, they've both gone on to do shitty car movies. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, varying levels of shit. I mean, sure. Gone in 60 Seconds is fun, but kind of ultimately bad. It's got Nick Cage in it. How good can it be? Yeah. It's also got Angelina Jolie in it, so. Uh, hackers, you know. Right. It's not the guarantee of quality. No, I love hackers, though. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, as you know, as a cult classic silly really? thing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, I saw it when I was pretty young. I was going to say, I was. It was uh, impressionable for me. I was already too cool for school for that shit. <laughs> okay. Um, and then you got, you know. Vin Diesel, who's in Fast and Furious mm-hmm. one through ninety, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. You haven't seen Boiler Room, which actually features both of them, which I need you to watch. That that's uh, you got that's Barry a really Pepper, good movie. Most his other famous role is a piece of Scientology propaganda. Battlefield Earth. <laughs> like, oh, that's right. He was one of the. He was the guy who gets captured or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Johnny Goodboy or whatever the hell his name was. <laughs> yeah, um, one of the human workers. Yeah, I. Uh, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's, I would guess I would give it to Tom Hanks on the, in his tier because, with the mm-hmm. caveat that, you know, Matt Damon still has years to play and probably Vin Diesel on the other. I think so. As much as I think Giovanni Ribisi is a better actor and he is undoubtedly, hmm. I think. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Vin Diesel's pretty one note. I've seen Ribisi do a lot of other stuff. But he's kind of, I don't know that he's ever been pushed. Okay. Maybe. Like, I mean, he was in Triple X. How, yeah, how fucking this, good can I mean, he this be? This is obviously his best dramatic role, unless you want to give him the voice credit for Iron Giant. 
Okay. But he had uh, like, I mean, there's another movie where, uh, you know, it, it reeks, uh, it, it rings a lot of emotion out of him, but he had like seven lines and he's mm, talking yeah. through a vocoder's ass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we've lost the plot. Yeah, sorry. Uh, that, that's fine. We, we, we can have some degradations here and there. I forget what I wanted to go, where I wanted to go to next. Uh, oh, the other moment with connected to the death of Wade that I thought was really good was Tom Hanks uh, or Captain Miller going away from his men, curling up in a ball and just quietly losing his shit for a solid minute. Uh-huh. And and then I mean maybe that's the it's not fear so much as there's all human emotion uh besides a wry detachment and somewhat affection for his men that he just shoves down and the only way it gets out is occasionally he <laughs> sobs himself uh, out and uh his his hand shakes. Okay. I buy that. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? Anything? I don't have much else. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's like, the, the underwear, the lingerie story is not that, not, not something we need to, to actually discuss about. Okay. We'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. And now, back with more Bald Move. Um, I, there's a couple, actually... Uh, I thought the scene before the final battle where they're all going around and listening to this record and they're sharing, swapping stories and stuff goes on entirely too long. Cause the other thing that I didn't like, and I didn't think Matt Damon did a particularly good job of it is talking about the last time that he knew his, his brothers were alive. Hmm. He tells that okay. kind of corn pone story about his brother losing his virginity and his other brothers stopping it. And everybody's getting beat with shovels and, then he kind of I I don't I don't know what to make of that that scene either. You didn't think it was a particularly funny story, no. And it, I guess it's not supposed to be, but I didn't feel like any closer to it is to him. But, like that's the so. Thing what that's are they important. trying to do here with Private Ryan? Because honestly, the last moment in the movie where you find out that this is Private Ryan and and uh, Captain Miller has laid this, I don't know how you live up to <laughs> earn this. Yeah, like wh- what can you do with how, your life? How, sir? I mean. Can I kill Hitler personally? Yeah. Can I run up to him and put a bullet in his yeah. head? Yeah, like it seems like he did his part. He banged out a, a bunch of fantastically attractive children and grandchildren who love that's him. That's true, yeah. If that's the measure of earning it, then I guess he's earned it. But like, you know, like Tom Hanks in, earlier in the movie is like, I hope this guy cures cancer uh, and Vince, what's the, the better mousetrap? Or I, I can't remember what all he said. Something, but, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, is just living a good life enough? And you can almost see that mm. the old man does a better job than, than Matt Damon in selling the, you know, he needs his wife desperately to tell him he's a good man. But he's just not sure. Like, was the, yeah. was living my life worth all the people who lost theirs to save me? Yeah. No, it's a complicated question. It's a complicated issue to deal with, I'm sure. And clearly, he's been struggling with his, with it his entire life. Yeah. Um, I thought there was a lot of weird battlefield humor. Not weird, like effective, I should say. Like, uh, I still get tickled every time the sergeant, even though I know he's about to die, when he gets, when he comes across the other, like, I guess his counterpart, and they both pull guns at each other. They both misfire. They both throw the helmets at each other. Then, then throw their guns. Then and... he throw their guns. <laughs> and then, yeah, the sergeant gets shot in the ass, and he's just more pissed about it than anything. Uh, he's he limping fi- off guns. Oh, firing off guns, the shots of the sidearm at these tanks, and he finally takes cover. Uh-huh. Uh, that was pretty funny. 
the final moment, I still think it's so well put together where Captain Miller is just almost out of boredom than anything. I, what? Not boredom. Like, why is he shooting the tank with the handgun? Like that's yeah, like, the boredom. That's like, you're right. It's not the right word. It's, it's like spitting in the face of death. Yeah, it's it's he's gonna fight till the bitter end. You yeah, know? but it's it's, it's not oh, effectual, and he doesn't care. Yeah, he's like, what I could either do. I mean, I, I don't know what you call that. But yeah. then when the tank explodes on the last shot, um, I thought that was great. It's it's Spielberg got that perfect because I think a lesser director would have Tom Hanks mug at the gun like, oh, you know. <laughs> And it's just a matter of fact, and then you see the Mustang coming, and you realize that the day's been won. Um, I don't know. I thought that is 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 funny uh, and effective, and yeah, it's. It, I feel like he might have had a chance at living had he not gone for that for that bridge to blow which, it up. Which, as it shakes out, was a futile gesture. Yes, not futile, which... just unnecessary. Right, because then the planes planes come in immediately, and they run the Germans off, and they have the bridge. But you don't have perfect knowledge. You no longer right. have the guy in the the bell tower saying, "There's, you know." Right. It feels extra tragic to me that he yeah. sacrificed his life for something he didn't need to, and the outcome would have been the same. Uh, and I, I feel bad for him in that moment. Hmm. Like, why, why, why? I wish this didn't happen. You were such a good character. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it's just unfortunate. But you're right, you can't certainly know that. And he was trying to do the thing that he knew needed to be done. So, for my money, the most fucked up thing in this movie is uh, Mellish getting stabbed to death by the German infantry officer. Oh. I don't know what he is. He's right through private. the heart. And just how intimate that is and how, yeah. like, the ba- the emotional back and forth goes from, like, it looks like Mellish is going to win and then he's not and then he pulls the sword, the, the knife and, oh, he's going to win, but then it gets turned on him and, like... And the guy's, like... He starts bargaining, like, no, 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 like, and you know it's not going to work. And the, the whole time, the, the other tension is fucking up him. Yes. It's standing at the, stair- the bottom Creeping of the staircase the up. entire time. Yeah, as he's hearing this desperate fight, and then there's just the like, I, I man, I that's some there's some of this <laughs> shit I wish I didn't I could unsee because there's just something that really turns my blood to I to to water when I see that knife just slowly going in, mm-hmm. and he's still kind of trying to fight it, and then the then the German starts shushing him because like this is a fucked up thing for him too, and it's that's the other up all that's the other it's thing so where you fucked. kind of get you know, a little bit of insight into the other side. Right. Uh, but that's, out of all the fucked up things in the movie, that's the one thing that I still, like, if someone asks me, what's the most fucked up thing you've seen in Saving Private Ryan? That's, yeah. it still gets me, man. No doubt. And it's it's because it's so intimate, like you said. But I, I do appreciate that this movie kind of runs the gamut on that. Like, it takes yeah. you from this massive battle at the beach to Mechanized this very, warfare. very personal killing like it shows you kind of all the scope of war and just like you know the you know it's pitiless on both sides like we're using flamethrowers they're horrifically right uh i mean first of all uh you you drag a a flamethrower up to the cliffs (laughs) through all that Uh shit you better use it is all i'm saying and and just how devastatingly effective it was against those bunkers and Mm-hmm. You know the guys like uh, popping popping grenades and shoving them down a tank hatch where Germans are trying to get out of and then sealing it up and like just the one thing that I noticed like grenades didn't seem to be all that effective in this movie because they got tossed back more often than not. 
Yeah. Like those, those stick grenades that they threw in, whatever those are, those got tossed well, back that's every why you're time. Suppo- aren't you supposed to count down? You're supposed to cook them, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you but... got five seconds, throw it at three right, and a half. Right. Um, you know, calculate your range. Right, sure but I'm assuming that like, that's one of those things like in the heat of battle, right. you're not always thinking about that kind of stuff. Yeah, but it could seriously cost you. If yeah. One of those things comes back at you, which it seems to do. <laughs> But yeah, it's just like this, this. It's just so brilliant in how it shows every scale of battle. Like you've got yeah. the moments like that would be right at home in a battlefield a thousand years ago, and mm-hmm. you got stuff that, you know, God help us, we'll never. Hopefully, we'll never see shit like that again. Yeah, uh, and it goes up, you know, even to the the higher level of it when you talk about the mission. The mission mm-hmm. of saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. It's it's up even one level higher than just this big battle at Normandy. So yeah. Uh, I want to see if there's anything that uh, the Hatorian want us to talk about that we've forgotten. Uh, looks like we've talked about, uh, he wants to talk about the moral dilemma of killing prisoners versus letting them come back to fight you, touching on religion and war. I talked about the chaplain, but he also talks about Jackson's character, the sniper, quoting Bible verses while murdering dudes. Yeah. Any commentary on that? Uh, I feel like he might think he's doing the Lord's work. You know, and that sure. this is that God is giving him the strength to kill the evildoers. Plus, he's, you know? I, I felt like, you know, he's smart about his Bible verses, too. Like, he's quoting mostly Psalms, which is King David, who was a warrior himself, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of a famed warrior. He's the guy that killed Goliath. And, yeah. you know, he was, again, killing in the name of God. And uh, it's clearly that was a source of strength for him. Yeah. Uh, and I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, we talked about risking eight lives to save one man. Uh, the camaraderie and brothership of men who go to war together. We haven't really touched on that because I just don't feel like I'm qualified to talk about it. Like, watch the movie. Like, watch any movie about war. I mean, that's all over them. I mean, I've definitely bonded through hardship with people. but Right, but nothing I've, No one's tried to kill me. Yeah. Like, I can't even imagine how... Uh, and, and again, I I feel like Dame, hmm, Matt Damon was a little inadequate for what he's been asked to do because hmm. that's you really needed to believe his speech about the fact that he's with his brothers and and whatnot. And there was something a little off in his performance throughout his whole. You know, anytime that he was not asked to play the all American, you know, apple cheek, cleft chin, blue eyed. I'm staying here. I'm starting to sound like I'm this this yeah describing an Aryan. <laughs> yeah, this is taking an interesting turn. <laughs> no, the all American <laughs> boy. Uh, anytime like, he's asked to show a little bit of range, I felt felt like he's just getting blown off the screen by everybody, and that's maybe not his fault. He's pretty young, and he's kind acting of opposite Tom Hanks. Sure, it's tough. And also there was like, so so like, great. Did you know this that all of the men who were in Tom Hanks' unit the fictional unit, they went through this really intensive basic training. Oh, okay. Like just really like grueling, I guess, like of. really grueling boot camp type of shit, especially if you're a Hollywood actor. Uh, Matt Damon intentionally did not go through that training. Why? Because uh, Spielberg wanted there to be real tension and like some kind of like even offs. Like, like, like they have to protect him? Well, just the fact he... that like uh, if you're nat- like as an as an actor, even though you know you're an actor, there's this like this guy didn't go through the shit that we went through. He wanted to be a real life basis for that okay. that tension between the guys who've been through the shit and the guys who are saving Private Ryan's ass from the shit. So um, are they implying that maybe Private Ryan? Well, I wonder hasn't if, had that basic training. No, 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 I, no, 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 no. I think this was just like a meta thing. Okay. But I'm I'm trying to why I'm trying to explain why 
everybody from Vin Diesel on up was blowing Matt Damon's doors off. And maybe there was some kind of transformative experience that they had this chemistry. And some kind of bonding when yeah, you go that, through that, that boot that, camp. Yeah. That Matt Damon just wasn't able to summon when he's on screen. What about Tom Jeremy Hanks. Davies? Did they send him through it? I thought so. I mean, I didn't see huh. that he was an exception. Which, That's by the way, Jeremy because... Davies, wow. He, he's, I really like Jeremy Davies. <laughs> yes. He's real quirky, and like, I can see why you wouldn't like him. If but... you haven't seen Justified, he is the most memorable. Yeah. Dickie Bennett is the mo- one of the most memorable characters on television. Easily top five. Uh-huh. Uh, like, especially if you're talking about, like, villains and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and he played this guy, and they are nothing alike at all. I, I can still see Jeremy Davies acting in it. Really? But yeah, they're they're very different characters. He's also sure. played a fairly different character on Lost. Or the, his Lost character is a lot more up him, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. He's a scientist. He's very... He's kind of taken to be insane in Lost. Um, mm. well, so right he's, at home with Dickie. Yeah, he's a little bit more like Dickie, I'd say. Um, he doesn't quite have all his shit together. D- depending on... I don't know. I don't know. Lost is a complicated show, <laughs> especially uh, around the time that he's introduced. So well, I think we talked about the D-Day experience. We gave it as much justice as two guys who've never been to war can do. Uh, you also yeah. want us to talk about the overall impact of World War II on today's society and political climate. Oh, I thought Christ. was interesting because I have some thoughts. Uh, about it. Where's Where's Dan Carlin when you need him? <laughs> uh I feel so. There's this phenomenon where everyone go looks back at the good old days, right? Yes. But if we actually go look about the good old days, they weren't as great as people, you know, as people think. And I think that that's one of the longstanding political things uh, is Mm -hmm. that we lionize this generation for, like, all the things that they did. You know, this is the generation that, uh, you know, beat the Nazis and staved off communism and went to the moon and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But that weight that moral weight carries over into a lot of the political views and like i really one thing i have gotten appreciation from dan carlin's uh some of his hardcore history is uh just how much poisoning of the well the concepts of socialism took during world war ii and the ensuing cold war yeah and that you know this is this 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 greatest generation and they're growing up and and the baby boomers are having this beaten to their heads to where I think well-meaning Americans are almost allergic to the term even and yeah. and, and like you know when, but but you know America was heading towards with the rest of the first world down this kind of socialist thing we had social security uh there's a lot of other social programs that were in you know People, both of the Roosevelt presidents were would you would call them commies if <laughs> if they tried to run in the sixties and seventies for the social policies. Mm-hmm. But America's part in the war and stand against fascism, and then the the war, uh, the Cold War we fought with Russia has kind of poisoned all those terms. And I don't know how yeah. long it's going to take for that radioactive stigma to wear off. Sure. And there's probably people that'd be pissed that I'd even say that, but I do think that. You know, people can't be rational about it because those are the those are the thoughts and the tools of what we consider the enemy. Yeah, no, I that that's a good question. I have no insight into it. Like, I couldn't tell you 
you know, if we're if we're even making any progress in that direction. There's a honestly. really I, I wish I knew which hardcore history it was, but there's one where he is one of the shorter ones, the mini episodes yeah. where he talks about this very phenomenon. I know which one you're talking about. It's it's all about the communism in okay. in between, like in the 30s and stuff. And, okay. And also uh, might have been because I also get the it was real good. I was binging a lot of uh, Carlin, and as I was also binging like Crash Course in World and U.S. History that the yeah the Vlog Brothers do. Um, no, it was Carlin. Okay, because yeah, they also sure. had a segment, and I, I'm not sure which who made what points, but um, I don't know. That's that's one thing I can see that it's, it's a long term societal and political kind of problem. Yeah, the good old days, like that saying, that's that's rough because like. Ideally, you want you want it to be the bad old days, right? You yeah. want things to get better. Yeah. The trouble is the people who remember the quote-unquote good old days mm-hmm. remember them in this idealized way because that's when they grew up. The, this is what made them the people they are, right? Sure. And once you get to a certain point, change becomes difficult. Like, it's much harder to change a view than adopt a view. Well, it's kind of weird because, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm now the age where I see people posting the weirdly rose-colored views of their own childhood. And it's like, when I was a kid, we used to bounce on the back seats and we didn't have seat belts and we used to ride the Little League games in the back of pickup trucks and uh-huh. we never wore helmets when we rode by. And I'm like, those are all bad things, you assholes. <laughs> so many kids died. So yeah. many so many parents and and were were be were separated from their children for stupid shit like that. That's sure. what you're nest- like I mean, it's kind of like yeah, it was fun to ride up in the rear deck of the window of the family sedan and it's fun to ride to little league games to back your pickup and not have to hassle but it's it's unquestionably a good thing that we're doing those things now yeah yeah i don't i don't want to get too far on like the, your heads the weren't any this, your but... heads weren't any harder than children's are today we just do a better job of protecting them for sure yeah uh and i think you know those technological advances are great mm-hmm. uh the the matter of choice is another thing that I don't want to touch here, but oh, I do. Like I know you do. I know you do. And if I, that's why I didn't even necessarily yeah, yeah, it want doesn't to belong, say it. It doesn't belong in this podcast. I'm not. I'm, right. I'm not a total asshole. But but that's the thing, right? You can only see it from the perspective you have, uh, and that perspective is often one of those were the good old days because I was a kid and I was learning about the world and it was exciting and interesting and that's. Yeah. The views you adopt, so those are the good old days, but they're almost invariably worse old days. Yeah. You just don't see them that way. Yeah. I mean, so. that's like, it seems like, you know, we go through cycles in politics uh, where you think about uh, we need to return. Um, well, we're going through one right now. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know which side you're on, but you got to admit that there's definitely this, uh, we got to make America great again. It's shades of Reagan's, you know, uh, it's, it's dawn in America. It's like, you know, we're, we're yeah. returning. We've, we, things have been fucked up and now we're going back to a time where things are not fucked up. And sometimes <laughs> we talk about those in terms of economic progress, mm-hmm. which I'm all down for. Like I want the economy to be good. And sometimes we talk about it in terms of social, pro- uh, social issues, which I'm more dubious about. Because I'm hard-pressed to look back 10, 20, 30 years and say any social issue that I would want to go back to. Right, right. Like, um, you know. And that's the thing. Like, what do you mean when you say you need to fix it? Like, yeah. You're talking about a very specific thing. You have something in your head yes. that you see as wrong. Yes. But someone else may not. Right. And so labeling the good old days is a time when 
those things were right by you means they were probably wrong by someone else. Sure. Like, you go back to the 60s, I guarantee the black people don't think those were the good old days. Yeah, I mean, fucking watch Mad Men, which is all about white people, by the way. Right, but right. But the little that it does touch on 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 how uh, uh, you know black civilians are integrating society, not a rosy picture. No. So no. it's good old days for, for white dudes. Right. What do, what do you mean when you say pretty, good old pretty days? Pretty good days for white women. Unless right. your husband came home drunk and wanted to slap you around a bit, and everybody just kind of looked the other way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So, I, I don't know. I, we're probably way off topic at this but, point. But, you know, that's the other thing. Like, um, it's weird that I feel like that this generation, like, there's no way that those be, those boys came home from war and had no trauma and issues whatsoever. Absolutely, yeah. And yet, no one really talks about, like, that's all something that happened in Vietnam, or that's something that happened in, dead, you know, like, we deal mm-hmm. with... People coming home homeless and mentally uh, with mental problems with with today's wars, but no, that I'm not aware of anyone that 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 makes. I'm not aware of any like piece of entertainment where that's a issue that this dealt on with the people that came home from World War II. Now maybe less because they were all with you know, greeted as heroes. And there was huge bills yeah. and pieces of government, the legislature passed to make their lives easier mm-hmm. and to make sure they had good educations and their kids were taken care With of. good and Housing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Maybe maybe the reason we have more people traumatized is the, the nature of the war and the nature of the way we treat veterans. Mm. Uh, we're doing a better job of not treating them as baby killers. Sure. But we're yeah. still doing a pretty shitty job of taking care of them and their families. Yeah. Um, you know, which is another thing that, like, you know, everyone wants to talk about how much they love the military and respect their heroes, but does anyone want to pay to take care of them? Mm-hmm. Put up know. or shut up. Look, look up, look, look at the leaders is. in the country and look at the ways they vote. When whenever it's a bill comes up to fuck veterans, <laughs> you know. All right, I think we've said about all we can say on Saving Private Ryan. Yep, I think so. Um, it's a great movie. I'm glad I got, you know, it, it really fucking depressed me for an entire day. It's, I'd say usually <laughs> I'm very sober and somber uh, after a day. And now, you know, especially coming hot on the heels of uh, Full, Full Metal, Metal Jacket, Jacket. Yeah. I'm, I'm war junkied out. Uh, but thanks, Justin, for suggesting that uh, we watch it. Congratulations on your victory on the, the digital gridiron field. Um, Next commission, Apocalypse Now. So we're in. Are you serious? No, because oh. <laughs> it's in. Is it in the hopper? No. Because I'm like, oh my god! I was hoping for something a little lighter. Yeah. Uh, but it you is. Know, it's lighter. If I got to storm that beach, I will. If I got if I had slow boat up that river, I will. Uh, but thank you very much. If you'd like to find out how you can commission your podcast, uh, wait around till next year's fantasy league or. Go to baldmove.com slash shop and uh, find out how you can commission your very own podcast or jump in on one of the community commissions that we've got kicking around. Yeah. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.